Hello everyone and Merry Christmas and welcome to the Cathedral Sport Podcast Christmas Special hosted by myself and the right reverend Bobby Love. Bob, welcome back to the show. It has been a while, mate. What are you drinking there, pal? And how are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. I've, uh, obviously, it's been a long time since I last uh, could talk on the podcast, mainly because university is quite kicking ass just now with loads of assessments and deadlines. Uh, obviously, I had to squeeze in a television appearance as well. Uh, so I'm now a minor celebrity, apparently. Uh, or I'm maybe just a head. Uh, tonight, I am currently drinking. Hold on, hold on. Hopefully, you can hear this. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> That's a nice bottle of Prosecco just been opened there. I've also got a bottle of Bailey's. Uh, all very nicely prepared for me getting half pushed and putting the world to rights. How are, how's yourself? I'm, a, I'm absolutely fine. Um, apart from the fact that I can't drink for this Christmas session, it's really pissed me off. Um, I've, I was put on antibiotics, as people know, as I put it out on Twitter. So unfortunately, guys, I'm not going to be drinking with Bob tonight, but I'm going to give as good as I bloody get. Don't you worry about that. All, we started... all I is, is that other people would just drink anyway. You've been a massive shake bud. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> I've even been told that I could have, a, I could get away with a couple of beers on it, but I'm not going to. It's my last day of taking them. I'm not going to. I'm not going to risk anything. So I'm just going to be sensible. Well, I'm going to be sensible until we get into the full flow of things. Put it that way, because I'm going. I've got a few things to say. Um, guys, we started this podcast in August, and we can't believe how much it's taken off. I mean, it's beyond our wildest dreams. It really has been. We've had some fantastic guests on the show, and that's where we're going to kick things off this evening and have a review of the different characters that have graced our show over the last few months. Starting with the first guest, obviously you went on this show. We had a, we had a certain Mr. John Sitton join us. Um, John Sitton, great guest, the, uh, made famous for his um, halftime rant on uh, in the Leighton Orient dressing room in that infamous Channel 4 documentary, Bring Your Fucking Dinner. That was him. I had him on the show. Uh, great guest, had a lot to say. A uh, bit of a technophobe was <laughs> Johnny. Won't mind me saying that either. Um, it took us a while to get going with that. Um, yeah, he was great to have on. Then we had uh, Bob. You joined me for Mark Beard, mate. Certainly did. Yes, uh, I quite enjoyed that one with Mark. He, lovely guy. Spoke very well. Um, I was actually quite taken with the fact that we could get somebody of his standing so early in the podcast. You know, it's not often you're going to get someone who works for a Premier League club willing to come on to a burgeoning podcast. But it was really kind of him, and he was a great guest. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, apart from our, our interview with Aaron Good, I, th- I think Mark's probably been my favourite. Might, might be because it was our first, but um, yeah, I really, really enjoy speaking to Mark. Such a nice guy. Yeah, he definitely was. And um, really clear as well. There was no sound issues, which is always a dream for us. And yeah, Mark was great to work with, especially in the build-up to it. He was... Uh, always communicating with me over Facebook and stuff like that. Cause some, some guests do, you don't hear from them until the actual night of the podcast. Um, they're quite quiet. So, but Mark was really cooperative throughout the whole of it. It was great, great story as well. Um, been so great. And the thing is we, <laughs> we were so lucky with this because we only, uh, well, uh, the, the feature sport Twitter page only had 64 followers 
when we managed to get Mark on. Now, <laughs> some guests that we invite on might look at our Twitter page and think, oh, how many followers do they get? How many listeners do they get? But Mark didn't even, he didn't even look at that. Didn't even, didn't even care. He just, he just came on. Same with John Sitton as well. Um, talking about uh, going back to people taking ages to get into a recording. <laughs> John Sitton was, was pretty bad, right? He is a technophobe, John. He's old school. But my mate, Paul McElvenner, um, a, a Fulham fan, a fan guest, it took us 50 minutes to get recording. 50 minutes for Paul to, it's not about working it out. He just didn't get the symbol on the top of his phone, apparently, to to invite, to uh, come into the recording. But yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty frustrating one. But another one that was a, gave a really great interview and that was a really, really popular one. And it was only pipped to the popularity stakes by a certain Matty King we had on, Matt. Um, Bob. I really enjoyed that interview with Matty. Um, obviously, as we're recording, he's currently somewhere in Wick playing football. Um, but yeah, Matty was great. Really quite open, honest. Um, I think all the Musselburgh guys have been pretty good, actually. You know, Carl and and Johnny as well. It's, it was great to get them. Um, I've not listened to Calvin yet, I've just not had the time. But uh, yeah, they've been, they've been great. They've been really good for us. Um, fantastic. I really enjoyed them. Yeah, definitely. Um, Carl was great as well to us. Carl Cleghorn, he, he sponsored our show, gave us a nice little um, donation. And also Johnny, um, who's part of the 1934 club, also sponsored us as well. Another great guest that I had on, a big mention to Hackbridge Harry, and his son, Ant, Steve Harold and Ant Harold, they were absolutely great. That's actually my Jenna listens, listens to the podcast back with me after I finish interviewing people or we finish interviewing people. And so she said that was, they were by far her favourites to, to listen to. She really enjoyed them. And uh, yeah, they were great to have on. And also, they, you know, gave a little donation to our PayPal as well. It's, you know, really appreciate it. Um, easiest guest to work with, Bob. I mean, Lavelle Cook for me was was probably one of the easiest guys I've had to work with. Um, he didn't didn't say much of his answers, which kept me on my toes, which is a good thing. But you know, he was he was he was really easy to work with. So was Mark Beard. Um, but what what's your what's your take on it, Bob? Who's the easiest guest to work with as a as a pair between me and you? Um, I think Mark was a pretty straightforward interview, but I thought Aaron Goods was certainly just unfortunately had the tech issues. But that was a that was, even a dream interview. It really was, you know, yeah. really like funny, well spoken, good stories. You know, you couldn't get a better guest, and it was just so disappointing that obviously the anchor up and kind of to put a finer point that fucked up a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was a dream man, absolute dream man. I think such a such a good interview. It really was. Yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, that was a shame, as you said, it didn't get to uh, air on the on the podcast. But it's on our blog site, cathedralsport.wixsite.com forward slash blah, 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 whatever it is. The link's in our bio on Twitter. Um, you can find the interview there. Uh, it's all done written as a Q&A and it's still still just as funny as it is as it was recorded. So, you know, some good stories in there. Ricky Otto was probably um, another personal favourite of mine, obviously, for what it means to me personally and um, to my nan as well. And for that to be recorded on the day of the anniversary of my nan's death was just like, and I didn't even realise that at all until I actually looked at my nan's order of service and was like, oh my God, what a coincidence that was. You just couldn't make it up, honestly. Um, 
one guy I'm uh, I'm not too happy with um, was Lee Haskins, um, boxer, former IBF world bantamweight champion. He was he was great with us communicating and wanting to come on the show. Then then cancelled on us. Not heard anything since. I was a bit quite disappointed in him, Bob. I, I tell you, I was really looking forward to that one as well, especially trying to get that show sponsored. I mean, imagine if it did get sponsored. So you know. You do, you do get people like that. You do get guests like that. That's part of the course, isn't it? I mean, it's like I say, these things all happen. It's all part of showbiz, eh? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. All part of show business, guys. That's what um, We're going to go straight into uh, the football talk of 2020. We're going to recap the year. That's what we're going to do. It's the end of the year, guys. You look back either happily or solemnly. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, a, there's some happy moments there's some very solemn moments but we're going to start with well happy if you're a Liverpool fan but we're not let's start with Jurgen Klopp Bob now I've got everyone sees this guy as the absolute messiah right his cheeky grin his, his persona in front of the camera and all this sort of stuff And but do you know what I've seen straight through him and deep down Especially the way the way when things don't go his way, he's a he's an arsehole, isn't he? He's an arsehole. He's a fucking bellend. That's what he is, right? <laughs> I, am not, I, I am not denying that he's a good manager and he's done he's done a great job at Dortmund. Uh, months before that, he's done a cracking job at Liverpool. As much as it pains me to say, but you know, there's a, there's this kind of like veneer about him, but like his teeth. You know, that, this mask that slips every so often when he doesn't get his own way. You know, every manager's got it in them. You know, even nice guys like Solskjaer and that have got it in them. But there's a real nasty, nasty side to Jurgen Klopp that I really cannot stand. And we've seen it recently when things aren't going his way. Oh, excuse me, that's too much Prosecco. Um, <laughs> well, it's all right, we get pushed there. So, anyway, um, it's it's... That wee nasty side you see sometimes when he has a go at interviewers that are only really like I know interviewing is a drag, right? Like especially for football managers post match and all that kind of game. But sometimes yeah. the way he speaks to them is absolutely disgraceful. And if that had been say a Mourinho or somebody who's more easy easy pickings like Solskjaer or something like that, the media would absolutely hammer them for it. But no, because it's big cuddly Jurgen, he gets away with it. Right, he's a horrible, horrible little bastard, <clears throat> and other, like, but you need to. Like, it just so happens, never complains when things go as well, which is fine. No managers do. Sitting there going, or oh, complaining about Chris Wilder because of self-interest. His club decided to go for the project big picture, and he's in the press telling it, or oh, however, but oh, it's amazing, it's a great thing. I'm really behind it. That was self-interest for his club, and he's sitting there going, oh, this is amazing. People just let him away with it. He's a bellend. And that's it. He's a bellend. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, BBC Sports Personality of uh, or the British British Bullshit Corporation um, Sports Personality of the Year last night. And there he was getting his award with his big smile. I just thought, you are, you are a smarmy, egotistical, sociopathic wanker, aren't you, Klopp? That's what you are. And I, I, do you know, I, I see, as you said about the mask slipping, I see it in interviews as well. You can see his face turn when he doesn't like something. 
or exactly. the, or, the, or the narrative is, doesn't fit what he's thinking. Okay, you can see it. You can see it in his face. You can see his face twitch or turn just a little bit, and you think you're going to go. You're you are. Oh, a fucking arsehole. Yeah, that's that's, my, that's our take on it. I told you guys we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna hold off tonight. It's the it's the special. Told you, Klopp wanker. Tell us what you think about Jurgen Klopp, non-Liverpool supporters. Is he really the Messiah? Is he really this golden boy that ever? Because look, Mourinho gets. Look how much stick Mourinho gets. Yeah, he's he's another Mister Ego. But you know, uh, you know, uh, Jurgen Klopp is just no. I don't know. I can't. I can't take. At first, look, I, I saw this cheeky guy. And I just saw his persona. I thought, oh, what a, what a great guy he is. What a great character. Then you just see you get to as you watch people as you go on. You see through people. Happens in happens in everyday life with with uh, everyday people as well, so to speak. Um, well, moving on. Just lastly, on him, he sits and complains that his players are tired because of playing midweek and then playing at half past 12. Right, he's probably got a point. Also, he didn't quite accept the fact that his club agreed to these times. Right, that's part of the whole collective, well, it's not collective bargaining, but you know what I mean? The 20PL clubs sit around and go, right, these are the slots, this is what we're going to do. Broadcasters get to pick in agreement with clubs, right? But he, just, he barely rotates his squad. I was having a look at it. Van Dyke last season played pretty much every game, 50 games, and he complains these players are tired. Here's an idea, pal. When you've already squished the league, why don't you just start playing some of your youngsters? You know what I mean? Even when yeah. you're not in the league, if you think your players are going to be a bit tired, bring some youngsters in. Ferguson used to do that. I don't, like the famous story of sending Peter Schmeichel off to Barbados for two weeks over Christmas because he thought his goalie was tired. Nobody having Jurgen Klopp doing that. So I don't want you to hear no stories that his players are tired when you're not going to sit and rotate them when you've got a pretty big enough squad. And you can bang on about three substitutes, five substitutes, all that rest of that bullshit. There was no complaints before when there was only a few substitutes. It's only because now the carrot of five is dangled in front of him that he's sitting there pissing him on about Chris Wilder. He's an embarrassment. Next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to get all the moans out the way first, guys, and then we're going to move on to something a bit more positive. All right. So we, but people enjoy rants. People like rants, right? VAR, again, yeah. getting everything wrong. Yeah, an armpit offside. No goal. Come on. Look, this this thing was brought in to better the game. It hasn't bettered the game whatsoever. Now, I'm 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 pro referee. Um I don't even know if referees are pro referee anymore because of this VAR, but look, the most, all referees have to start at, on windswept pitches, muddy pitches, at amateur football. You don't just get propelled. There's no elite school for referees where you just put Pay, pay a fee and then get propelled straight into the Premier League. It doesn't happen. My pal Joe, he's a referee. He does Somerset County FA, right? You, you, you've got to you've got to start a youth level and and then and then do Saturday amateur and Sunday league and women's football and then women's semi pro and men and semi pro and work your way up the pyramid. Yeah. So you've built up you you've built up a skill set and a decision making skill set throughout all those years. It's a proper apprenticeship to become a referee. It's a it's a very very hard job, and you build up those skills throughout all the years: decision making, timing, awareness, fitness, all sorts, right? And now you've got this this technology in here now that's getting this getting your decisions wrong, okay? And you've got you it is it is just mind blowing. It is just mind blowing. And look, I mean, it's not good for the fans either. The fans are there. I, like VAR at the bar, the guys um, that, that I did a Q&A with the other night. It was like, can you imagine 
the Aguero moment when Man City won the league and that being brought back for VAR. That's one of the most historic moments in Premier League. It probably is the most historic moment in Premier League football history since 92. Oh, you can just look that part of it. Yeah. I don't want um, to see, not, no Man City winning leagues. Get that next. Come on, hurry up. No, well, 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 no, I'm going to say it. I mean, Aguero, that moment nowadays could have been could have been VAR'd, right? Could you imagine Man City fans in the 94th, 95th minute having to celebrate that, nearly have a heart attack, then stop and wait when they're just about to win the league? That's absolute nonsense. It kills the atmosphere. And do you know what? I, 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 think it's a, I think it's done on purpose to kill the atmosphere as well. I really do. I think it's a, 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 it, it needs to go. They moan about it on Match of the Day every single week. Every single week, there's always something about VAR. Professional footballers, Neville, Carragher, you know, very good pundits, extremely well-respected pundits who I, who I have a lot of time for. Um, obviously, they know a lot more than me, do you know what I mean? They're ex-pros. And, but look... Um, even they're saying they're saying it's bad. I I, I don't know where where the common ground's going to be. How how is VAR going to benefit anybody going forward? Like it undermines referees as well. It really does. Right, there's a number of things to unpick here, and there's a couple of them you're probably not going to like. Now, in terms of referees, in terms of referees, I know from speaking to a number of referees that most of the referees are actually quite keen to have it. Right, they would rather have the decisions overruled than right. Now that's not what? necessarily. Wait, wait, don't do any button now. That's not necessarily what VAR's doing, right? And I appreciate that. But most referees would rather have it. Ex pros have an absolute cheek, complaining that VAR is terrible when they made a career out of sitting there, taking referees apart and seeing how wrong the decisions were. Now you either have one or you have the other. You can't do it both, right? You, you can't just sit there and fucking whinge constantly that a referee was wrong, right? And then when VAR comes in to try and help them, then sit and whinge that the decisions are wrong. Well, what one's going to be? Do you want the help or do you not want the help? Because all it's going to do, if you take VAR away, which isn't going to happen, is they'll sit there and complain about the referee again or complain about the linesman on the offside. When you're saying about the tech getting it wrong, the tech isn't getting it wrong. It's the people looking at the technology that are getting it wrong. That's the problem, and that's what everybody forgets. There is somebody at the other end of that technology who's making those decisions, who's getting it wrong. Now, part of the problem with R is football must be the only sport that could properly screw this up. And there's a number of reasons for that, but mainly because they resisted and they resisted and they resisted because football puts itself on a pedestal that it knows best about absolutely everything and cannot learn from any other sport, right? They've had plenty of time to look at other sports to try and bring this in to decide what should be done and what shouldn't be done. And they fucked it up, right? I'm all pro video referee. I always have been because you know, like every other sport, pretty much every other sport has it. Yes, it's not always great in other sports, but nobody has got it so wrong as football. And you can complain about flow all you want, but everybody knows my favourite sport is ice hockey. Another sport that flows, another sport that has whistles just as like football does, and it doesn't really disrupt it as much as football, right? So you need to be asking yourself, how has football got this so wrong? And then you start picking it up and picking it back, 
And the problem is, because of what I said earlier, they think they know best. Fans, pundits, managers, everybody picking referees apart, right? And also the fact that everybody who's a football fan, I'm guilty of it, you're guilty of it. Everybody who's going to listen to this will be guilty of it. Think they know the rules better than everybody else. What else this has exposed is just how absolutely piss poor a lot of football's rules are. Laws of the game, whatever you want to call them. Offside, nonsense. Right? Those are the rules. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. Right? Change the rule to make it more for the attacking team. I know Paddy Barclay, the, the well-respected journalist, he says, make the rule offside, complete daylight between the defender and the attacker. Something I've said for a bit of a, a while as well, which I think you make things a lot easier. Rather than pissing about whether the ball, you know, half an inch of a foot is off or is the boy's well, well, like, or anything like that right now. But if you have a whole bit of daylight, it makes things easier. Handball, same idea. I've had to fuck about with the handball rule so many times because all VAR did was expose it and folk go, that's not handball, that's not handball. Then you look at the rules and go, oh, well, maybe it is. Is it? Is it not? And that's your problem. Rules are too vague. The rules aren't good. They've exposed how bad some of the rules are. And now we're actually seeing over a culmination of years that people who decide what the rules are haven't a fucking clue what they're doing. And that's part of the problem. Well, I, I can agree with you on, on the rules part. I mean, that whole... <laughs> The handball rule is so confusing, especially, well, they've tried to simplify it but by saying, like, look, if you if your arms are out of the silhouette, this silhouette, <laughs> fucking they've made up, um, it, are out of the silhouette and your ball touch, uh, the, the ball touch your hand, it's handball. Um, but there's, there's other thing that comes, if it comes off your knee first or comes up and, it, and it's, it's not handball and all, all this sort of stuff, it's, it's very, very confusing, especially for uh, referees as well. But I, I think the glory of refereeing, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, like to dwell on the past a bit and uh, cling to the past. I'm one of these people, which you, you, you're more uh, forward thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people that like their, I don't really like change. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people. So I'm, I'm of the opinion that referees learn from their mistakes. It's human. Um, if they make a mistake on the pitch, we all moan about it. It's a talking point. Yeah. It's a talking point that we've become a cut become accustomed to for all these years. Was it a penalty or was it not a penalty? I can't believe he's just given that a penalty for the guy diving. Yeah, okay. VAR would stop that, but it's a talking point at the end of the day. Fans will celebrate if a penalty is given. Yeah. But VAR, say a, say a VAR takes a penalty away. Like it, it just, it just ruins the whole in the moment. If, if I'm making sense, Bob, I, I hear where you're coming from, right? But there's two points to that again. Referees have asked for it, right? So you can look all wistful about how it used to be, right? I know, guaranteed, for speaking to some of my friends who have been officials, that referees have always wanted this in. For the simple fact is that too many people were criticising them in television shows, right? Because of fear. Look, forget about all that stuff. If I'm watching a television show, I don't want this dominated by refereeing decisions. I don't want it dominated by VAR decisions either, but that's part of the course. I want to hear why a team lost. What was the tactics that got them there? What was the tactics that had the other team win? Why was that a good goal? Can we look at the build-up, please? But television didn't want that because it made too much for theatre. Right? And that's the problem that's happened. And because of that, football's only got itself to blame along the television companies 
who have put people in this position and now they're in a point of no return because they fucked about and they fucked about and they moaned far too much about refereeing decisions. Get back to what people want to listen to about football and that's football, right? And that's been the problem and that's the reason VAR eventually got brought in. It'll eventually settle down, eventually, once they get it right, once they finally get the finger at the backside. It's not going to go back. It's not going to be stopped, right? Unless they guarantee that they're not going to criticise a referee for every single, like like the minutiae of every decision, then I'm afraid anybody who argues about VAR is that they're fighting an unwinnable battle. Because most of the time, the people that are against VAR are the very same people who sat there for hours and hours and hours upon end saying that referee was shit, abusing that referee on social media. Many people, when it comes to this, are an absolute embarrassment. So basically, right, I was going to say about. I don't know what my listeners, our listeners think about this, right? So basically, I, I, I'd say in about five, ten years' time, you won't need qualifications to be a referee. You can just run around on a pitch with a headset on, right? And the only re- time you need to blow your whistle is when somebody says in your ear, VAR's just done this, that was a foul. That was a foul. Blow your whistle. Blow your whistle, right? Right, right hold you on. Got- before we get into nonsense, nonsense scenarios here. Before we get into nonsense scenarios here. No, no, so, so, that- so, 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 no, so, no, no, no. Has that happened? Has that happened in any other sport? No. Correct. That's it. That's it. Your argument's done. No. Because it's not going to happen. Right? It's just a fascicle. It's a fascicle idea that that's what's going to happen. Well, it's not. No. How is it a fascicle idea? Well, has it happened? Very simply, it's not happened in any other sport. There's rugby. Rugby union, rugby league. Right? I've had video video referees... they give more responsibility for the, to the referees, whereas football isn't. Football no, is moving away no, from responsibility no, to the referees. Absolutely. It is. It's moving away. It's moving away from responsibility <laughs> from the referee to this fucking computer. In rugby, now, because the respect that they, that they have for referees and the way they're viewed, unlike in football, where the referee is viewed as the enemy, right? And whose fault's that? Sadly. Sadly. Whose fault's that? Whose fault's that? Hold my hands up. Fans, players. Other referees putting other referees down. So all you're doing the is rule. proving a point. Well, not really. I'm trying to say re- refereeing is being downgraded as a skill set for this technology, and it's going to move further and further away from the referee and having his own and making his own mind up. Right. So you don't agree that the fact that although referees have asked for it, that's their own fault. What did you say? Say that again. Sorry. Referees have asked for this help. Yes. Right. So what you're saying is that they're de-skilling themselves. Possibly, yeah. Why would because they want the, to do that? I mean, let's just let's, let's just try and use a bit of like, well, like not helping them, be a bit more, helping them. Just be a bit more pragmatic. Well, no, they're they're not helping themselves, are they? Why would they want this? Why would they? They've seen how it works now. It's it, it it's it's downgrading their skill set, in my opinion. But why why know. would they want it? Because they were getting crucified by everybody. Well, that's that, yes, that's that, that, that's that's that, that's that, that's that, that's up to them for them for their mistakes, isn't it? We'll move on from VAR. But they're always going to be human. It. They're always going to make a mistake anyway. So what, <laughs> that's course. the problem. Yeah. But yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. Stop, stop putting it in the, all these different things and going this, that, and the other. The problem was they were getting hammered for it, right? And unless people are going to sit there and go, "I'm going to go to the pub and not criticise the referee decision," right? VAR's here to stay, and people are just going to have to like it. Uh, according to Bob, everyone, VAR's here to stay. We're all just going to have to suck it up and, and, and suffer. 
But luckily, we ban we ban the EPL from our show, so we don't really have to talk about it on our football show anymore. So, yeah. Um, but no, 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 everyone else that's uh, that does watch the Premier League, um, yeah, just suck it up because you're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, that's 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 um, what Bob's saying. Well, why not? Um, Do you honestly think they're going to take it away? Hopefully. No, that's yeah. the last. Deep down, do you honestly think they're going to take this away? Deep, do I think they're going to take this away? Yes. No. Well, there's your answer then. It's not a case of saying sucking it up. Right? It's being pragmatic about exactly what's going to happen. The genie is out the bottle. It's much like how much money is filling into the Premier League, that league we absolutely despise now. That genie's out the bottle as well. It's not going to go back in. Yeah, well, again, people like me have to suck it up, don't we? We have to... It's just... Suck off. Game is it's pissing me off. It's a bit too pejorative. No, it's just it's just uh, not the not the same game I grew up with. I know things move on in life and technology advances and that, but I don't look, I don't think we I don't I don't think it's necessary. But hey, but hey, we've had the argument now, um, guys. Tweet us in at Cathedral underscore Sport. Is Bob right or am I right? What's your thoughts on it? Um, I know there's going to be plenty of you with your own opinions on the matter. Um, <laughs> Bob, last moan of the evening, right? Um, well, well, maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, just want to just want to put it out about uh, South End chairman Ron Martin, um, the old transfer embargo and stuff like that with with South End and how South End at the foot, foot of the table, the League Two. Ron, you're an arsehole. You're a wanker, Ron. Um, <laughs> Yeah, mate. Like, I know the embargo's lifted now, but it's you know putting people playing on people's emotions for that long, and putting people through that, and players through that, and staff through that, and look, mate, it's just fucking sort it out, yeah. Right, Bob. Anything else you want to add to this uh, segment of our uh, Christmas edition of the football show? Well, it really, it really depends where you want to go here. Um, obviously, anywhere you want. Oh, where can we go? Right. Um, we'd probably be remiss not to mention COVID at this point. Yeah. Because obviously it's been the biggest topic to do with football and we're brought up nearly in every football show we've done, right? Now, we can complain about what happened in the SPFL. I'm going to further complain about some of the shocking attitude with our wingy letters to the Scottish government, Right? Mm-hmm. Other sports were like that. But because, the, again, football has got this pedestal thing saying we've got to be above everybody else. And just to remind you, was it the last football show I said? When people were telling me because I was I liked other sports that my sports didn't matter, you shouldn't get any money. Uh, just make, doesn't make a difference if these die because we're so big shots and part of the community and all that shit. Yeah. The Scottish government have given money now. Now, we can complain about the distribution and whatever else. The SPL sent out a, a thank you statement yet? No. 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 Talking about let fans in, what did we say previously? That the Scottish government were going to look and see how it went in England, right? What fans are doing there. What happened last week? The former sports minister coming out saying, we've looked at England. Evidence so far about people not social distancing, not wearing masks, Protocols not being followed is exactly what we said was happening. Yeah. So I'm going to sit here and feel a bit fucking smug and say, I told you so. 
right? Now, that might not be palatable for a lot of people. And they might say, oh, well, he just doesn't want fans in. That could not be further from the truth, right? I've been in a slightly privileged position this year compared to a lot of people because I've been helping them with their social media uh, and also had that television interview. So they mentioned that. Um, ah. that, uh, that I've managed to get to Ainsley Park to a game where next to nobody there. And it's absolutely dreadful. It's dreadful not having fans there. I hate it. It's gash. It's the worst thing, it's, it's honestly, it's horrible. But in the same respect, I know that because of the behaviours of other people and watching how other fans are and certain club chairmen somewhere around about Aberdeen acting the way they've acted, that they're going to resist as much as they can because the evidence shows so far that it doesn't look particularly good. Now, we both say that I know you were a bit more, let's bring everybody back in quicker, but I know you for a bit, bit of a about turn in recent weeks. Yeah. You know, and it's just, I, I just can't fathom why they can't just keep the powder dry for a little bit, act a bit more mature when it comes to communicating with the government and the quicker you'll get fans back. Now, it's probably not going to be now if this new variance is as bad as it is and et cetera, et cetera. But even now, the fact that they were trying to force fans, they try to force the government's hand to get people back as this new variant was even taking hold, which they knew back in September it was starting, kind of shows them up to be a bit slightly embarrassing for the way they were going about their business. Yeah, definitely. I don't um, mind being desperate to get fans in. I don't mind fans being desperate to get in. What I can't be doing with is the whiny nature of how it was done and the way certain fans were acting towards people of other sports about, like, we were pieces of shit, what does it matter? These kind of things make football fans look like absolute tits. Yeah. Um, look, there's a few non-league clubs. I'm not going to mention them. I, I, I don't need to. Um, who didn't adhere to the rules at all and uh, just made a complete mockery of people like us, well, me especially, who who can't get into grounds because I live in Scotland. But if I lived in England and I was in an area where I couldn't get into a ground, it made a mockery of me and it made a mockery of all you who couldn't get into grounds as well. Um but there were clubs, I'm going to be, take a positive out of this, Paul, but where there were clubs like Portsmouth, like Southend, like um, Croydon as well, when they had their first game at the National Sports Stadium at Crystal Palace, who did it properly. Um, people were spaced out, um, especially with Portsmouth and Southend, uh, over four stands instead of like at Cheltenham, where they were all bunged in behind the goal. Um, Portsmouth, you saw it on the TV how they'd done it right at Portsmouth and they've done it right at, at Roots Hall as well. Um, so so credit where credit is due to certain clubs. But there are clubs out there who didn't put their foot down, who, which I said for them to do in one of our shows. They didn't say anything to anybody. They just let people mingle. I, what was it the other night? I was watching um, the uh, EFL on Quest and there was a, a club I'm going to mention now. I actually saw it. Um, Barrow. You should have seen them behind the goal. It was just, it was like a free-for-all. Absolute free-for-all. No one wearing masks. is right at the top of the stand. I thought to myself, I'm not far across the border from you and I'm looking through this glass window. Yeah, not being, seeing you lot, which Barrow's not far from Scotland at all. Being able to go to these games, having the privilege at the moment, because it is a fucking privilege to be able to go to a football match in a minute. I'd love to. And behaving like that. 
Now, I'd do anything to get back in a crowd. I'd, I'd wear a mask for 90 minutes. I know I'd, I don't really want to, but I would. You know, I'd do all the protocols. I'd, I'd follow the rules. I'd, you know, but these guys weren't at all. And I just think to myself, I think to myself, fuck you. I thought, fuck the lot of you. Yeah. When other people are having to sit at home and you lot are bouncing around, completely having all disregard completely for not only your lives, but other people's lives and football fans that want to get back into stadiums and watch their team that they're, you know, they've missed out on for, for so long. It's just, look, you know, but there are, as I said, there are clubs that have done it well, have done it really well. Croydon, Portsmouth, Southend to name a few. There's obviously, there's obviously a few more. North, Northampton as well. I think I saw Northampton. That was really, that, that was done quite well um, uh, as well. And Brent, uh, Brentford. The, the, the two of the teams I pay attention to, uh, Carlisle and Ipswich, appear to have got it pretty spot on as well. Yeah, so there are there are quite a few clubs. So I don't want to be, you know, um, chastising all clubs that have, have allowed fans back in. There's, there's been plenty that have done it right and plenty of fans that have uh, adhered to the rules as well. And uh, well done, all of you. Um, I just wish we could uh, have that chance as well in Scotland, but hopefully it's coming. It's going to come soon. Um, some positives from, from the year of football in 2020. I look, guys, I know it's been, I know it's been crap, but um, I'm going to give a special mention to Marcus Rashford um, for the free school meals initiative that he's brought to. It's taken a, it's taken a professional footballer um, to do that when a you know guys sitting on their high horses can't even be bothered to feed our feed our kids and uh so well done Marcus Rashford mate um absolute salt of the earth thing to do you know it'd always be remembered for that he, he really will he's an absolute hero you know it's it's you know it doesn't matter how much money and this is a good point um made by the St Matthews project on Twitter even if a kid lives in a rich household with a rich family if the kid ain't getting fed it ain't getting fucking fed yeah if it's being neglected, it doesn't matter how rich a parent is. With like, oh, they should they, they should be able to feed their kids because they're earning this much, or why why aren't they feeding their kids because they spend all their money on this, that, and the other? Yeah, the kid ain't getting fed for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? And what Marcus Rashford has done is, is seen that and gone. Do you know? What? It doesn't matter. Like, let's, let's, let's put food in our kids' bellies, man. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> an army marches on its stomach, and kids kids run around all day. Come on, right? So you know. Uh, uh, Absolute hero, Marcus Rashford. So that's one of the, the positives that's come out of well, it's not, well, some people might not say it's a positive because he's having to he's having to do, he's having to do that in the first place. But you know, it's a positive for him personally to to do that and and do that off his own back. What do you think of that, Bob? Uh, I've got no complaints saying it's a positive. Um, well, I've got a point to a point, obviously. Um, I think the fact that he's that he kind of forced the government into a bit of a U-turn. Um, is good and it shows that this whole kind of those people on social media you know the types that give it can keep politics out of football well I'd rather footballers were doing politics like that to make sure young children were fed than sticking their thumb up their arse not being proactive and doing nothing yeah because if it, if it evokes change the way he has done then that can only be a good thing he's shamed an already shameful government into doing what should have been done in the first place. And to have politicians in Parliament like that haunted pencil, Jacob Reef Smog, saying this isn't a good <laughs> thing, saying this isn't a good thing and whatever else, shows an absolute mark to what these absolute bastards in Westminster are like. You know? Yeah. To try and take food 
out of children's bellies is absolutely disgusting. The fact that UNICEF are now having to provide meals for children in the UK, right, top 10 richest countries in the world, is absolutely disgusting. So the fact that Marcus Rashford stepped up and is going to help out can only be commended. He shouldn't have to do it. The fact he's done it is good. He shouldn't have to do it. But what a fantastic initiative. And for somebody who's, who's still quite young himself, it can only be applauded. It shows an absolute mark of what he's like as a person. 100%. Absolute selfless. Absolutely selfless. Marcus Rashford, we all love you, mate. Another positive this year, um, from a bit closer to home, mate, uh, Musselburgh Athletic, with their new ground improvements um, and what they've done to their ground and stuff in during lockdown and what how they've transformed the, you know, the, the grounds that they play in. It's it's absolutely fantastic to see. Uh, people, if you non-league fans, if you get a chance to see it, have a look online and see what they've done to the ground for ground improvements to make sure they got their SFA licence to be able to play in the Scottish Cup and uh, to improve their ground grain as well. Quite a few other clubs down in England have done that as well. I see cement going in um, behind goals where it was just a park pitch before as they're trying to like build up. You know, that is all positives, all things moving forward. Edinburgh City as well, and another club I'm going to give a shout out to because of uh, the statement that Chairman Jim Brown made in the summer when it came to sport and integrity, what happened with the uh, the nonsense that we spoke about in episode one about the uh, about um, the uh, league reconstruction idea and all this stuff and Hearts getting relegated and Celtic being handed the title, even though they're going to piss away with it anyway, but you know, and all these clubs turning on each other and Edinburgh City came out of a, a fantastic statement like that. Uh, other positives, Bob? Football is back, mate. It's, you know, <laughs> you know we can watch, the, at least we can watch the game on telly at least. I mean, I'd, I'd rather be in the ground, but at least there's live football. I mean, it was pretty grim at the start of the year, wasn't it, mate? It was. If I, if I could also just come back to the Edinburgh City point, obviously that's that's my team. I don't really hide that fact. Um, I was thoroughly proud to be a City fan when that's a couple of the statements came out over the, the, the kind of summer months. Um, we took in a lot of flack on Twitter from those in the non-league saying that they'd abandoned the pyramid when I knew fun, fine well we hadn't and I knew exactly what way we'd voted. Um, obviously, I couldn't reveal that at the time. But the fact that the statements came out shut up a lot of people and some people were very embarrassed and so they should have been as well. Uh, no, I just had to get that small little dig in because we took some absolute pelters on the citizen supporters to look out for it. And we had to bite our tongue. Yeah. And then that statement came out. I was like, shh. Um, yes, uh, we can see football. It's not great watching streaming. I think possibly one positive maybe of COVID is, is dragged football, especially in the lower leagues in the 21st century and are doing what other sports are doing and much streaming fixtures for fans. Um, I hope it continues um, when we can get fans back in. There are way folk will go, well, will that not stop going to games? Well, it hasn't really in other sports. There's ways around it to make sure that fans still come to games. So things like like blackouts in your local region or geo-blocking or anything like that. And I know you can get around them and whatever else, but for the most part, it's an extra, it's an extra revenue stream. You know, say, for example... We are playing Elgin City. Now, Edinburgh City to Elgin City, door to door, is one of the toughest journeys we'll make as an away team. Vice versa. Not every Elgin fan is going to come down to Edinburgh, and not every Edinburgh fan is going to go to Elgin. 
So why can't we, why can't both teams make a wee bit extra coin from those that maybe can't come to the games and so they can watch their team live? What a great idea that yeah. is, eh? Yeah, and I, I think, uh, do you know what? I, th- I think clubs will do that, mate. I think they will. Um, other, hopefully they do. Either that, or we can have something like we've said before, where we have like a, like a, an NFL Game Pass type situation, where the SPFL have got some kind of streaming deal. Um, they can, like, you can still have your Sky deal, and then you have a streaming deal, even if it's for Championship, League 1, League 2. They've included the Lowland League and the Highland League, for example, as well. You can pull all these money, share it about, and all that kind of stuff. And that means you get all the games whenever you want, whatever device you want, for a set price, and that gives all the teams a wee bit of extra income as well. This, yeah, this, um, this, this me, this pandemic me, and some kind of in a, in a pretty rather cruel roundabout way, actually be beneficial for a lot of clubs to actually bring them dragging into modern into the modern world. How much prosecco you add? Now? Half a bottle. Why? Half a bottle. I'm sounding too pissed. No, 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 no. I'm just asking. I'm just asking because um, is that too a lot of clubs, half a bottle of prosecco. Uh, <laughs> a lot. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just, just, just wondering because um, uh, <laughs> yeah, talking about clubs dragging themselves into a 21st century. Maybe they've not got the money to do that, Bob. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they re- rely on revenue through the gate. You know, just maybe a bit of empathy towards clubs like that, Bob. Maybe, like. Just, just, just a bit. I've got, I've got some sympathy, but of course, I know what it's like when when teams are going through it. So I'm not exactly unaware of the, the 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 problems of not having fans in and fans through the gate. But at the same point, you have to maximise your revenue streams. Football is no longer football it was it was in the seventies and eighties, right? People want to watch football on devices as well as going to games. If you're going to go to a game, you're going to go to a game. But yeah. why would you not rather pay? say, for your local team, rather than going to the pub, paying it for six pints and watching the soulless English Premier League. When you can yeah. just say, here's £10, I'll watch Ember City, or I'll watch Elgin, or I'll watch Cowden Beef, or Alawa, whoever it is, and say, right, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put that money in, I'm going to get myself a couple of cans instead, and that's not to deny pubs revenue before anybody says. But why not say, like, I really fancy a game of football this week, I'm pretty sick of the English Premier League, but it's, that's what's wall to wall. You know what I'll do? I'll get that £10 and I'll put it into my local club. They need it more than they do. Yeah. Um, maybe there could be a sort of common ground where people find that we could, that a, a solution to this. I mean, say, for example, Croydon are away somewhere in the FA Vars and someone can't make it to the away game. Um and someone pays like five quid and stream it back five or six pound or two to Mitchum or any non-league club, Musselburgh or, you know, up here or bloody who else? I don't know. But just, just a few examples. But what clubs need more um, is people getting off their asses that normally support Premier League clubs that can't get to Liverpool from fucking Bridgewater, right? And actually, go, and again, I'm picking on them again and I've no shame at all. Um, and actually go to a local club like Bridgewater Town or Western Supermare or Hastings United over the other side of the country if they live in if someone lives in Hastings or whatever or bloody Newton Grange Star or <laughs> whatever and saying, Do you need a hand? Do you need someone to uh, to video your games for you? Or you know, we, I think us as football fans have got to get off our asses a bit more. So if we want these things, 
like the streams and that. Not you know, not not everyone's got enough people at the club disposable to be able to do that, to be able to to have someone filming for ninety minutes, to be able to you know take time out of their lives. To all I'm saying to people out there, if you love football and you really want to get involved in the game, offer yourself to your local club. Say, look, I'll video games to you, or, or I'll do a post match interview with the manager, or or, or just throw yourselves into it. And um, you, okay, you're not going to get paid. You get one, you're going to be in the ground, you're going to be at the game, and two. You know, you, you're pleasing people that can't get to the game by being able to deliver them a, a stream through your camera if you've got one or whatever. That's my solution anyway. I don't know what you think about that. No, I think it's fine. I, I mean, I'm, I've been pig sick for years of watching buses of Celtic and Rangers fans departing Edinburgh or departing small yeah. town Fife or wherever it may be to go and watch the old firm when they've got games next door to them. And they refuse to go to them. It, it, it comes back to that thing I see with them when the previous people shows the whole snobbery um, about what people have in lower leagues in Scotland. I brought that for the television interview as well. The mention I was on the TV. Um, that the, 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 there's too much snobbery that goes on about lower and non-league, and it's like just give it a go. Yeah. If you can't afford twenty-five pounds to go to Tincastle or Easter Road or Petardry or wherever. Your local league club, your local lower league club or non-league club, say maximum is £6, £7, maybe a wee bit more if you're in League 2, maybe delighted to get that money. You know what I mean? And you're maybe going to be surprised at the standard because I was surprised when I first started going 15 years ago. I was initially like, I'm not going to watch anybody City in the East of Scotland, all the rubbish that is. And eventually I went and went, that's actually, actually not bad football. You know, it made me enjoy the game again. And for those that are getting lost to the game because it's all wall-to-wall football and money, 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 just give it a go. That's all I'll say is just give it a go. You might be surprised. If you don't like it, fine. You can go back to sitting and watching the EPL. But if you go and you enjoy it, then there you go. You're going to get to see live sport. You're going to help it. You're going to help your local club. And you maybe make some new friends with it as well. Go and Definitely. Give it a- um, 100%, Bobby. Absolutely spot on. Um, absolutely spot on with what you said there. And look, I mean... I I was following the uh, the Croydon's first game at uh, National Sports Centre at Crystal Palace, National Sports Stadium. And it was an absolute thriller, apparently. Um, Croydon were 3-0 down at half-time and came back to win 4-3. And the amount of people and neutrals that went to that game and said they'll be back after that. Um, there you go. That's all it takes is a, is a 4-3 thriller like that. And people are like, oh, do you know what? I'll go back. Yeah. And um, by the way, um, Croydon's a, a club we promote quite quite well on our Twitter page. Um, and the podcast is now sponsoring Liam Giles, the manager of Croydon. Just thought I'd uh, chuck that one in there. Um, do you know what? I might even invite Liam into the recording. Bob, who should we invite into the recording? It's that time. We said <laughs> we were going to get we were going to get some people into to join in in our Christmas special or special. It's a special to Bob. It's a special to me. It's bollocks, isn't it? Um, you can you pick it. You pick a couple of guests, and I'll pick a couple of people, and we'll try and get them into this recording right now. Who who of the it depends who favourited it. Who, who do we say? Ask what. Well, you, ask what mutual, your co-host. Ask ask one mutual pal, my co-host on the, the Ember City podcast, Neil Rooney. See if he's about. Okay, I'll I'll do that, and uh, do you know what? I might see if let's have a look. For, let's let's have a look down the down the uh, down the list. We've got Neil Rooney. Ricky Otto, a bit late for him. I won't do that. <laughs> what about Roy? Oh, no, Roy, not Roy McDonough. No, he's, he'll be uh, it'll be hard for him. He's in Spain. He, it was his missus' phone. He's 
um, recorded off of last time as well. Oh, who could be getting? Andy Scott, that'd be a good one. Chick Cocky Nights, great. great uh, oh, and the book's just about out as well, so that'll be a good, good bit to do. Yeah, Andy Scott, let's invite him in. Um, John Sitton's John Sitton's a massive technophobe, so it'd be absolutely pointless um, <laughs> trying to uh, invite John in. But let's try and get Mark Beard in. Let's have a try. We, uh, wait, I'll, just, leave, I'll just leave you to do this. I'll just sit in my Prosecco and if people turn up, then people turn up. Yeah, and, and there's Darren thing? Potts from the Potts cast as well. I, I, I did promise Dar- uh, Darren Potts. Um, so I will I work him on it. I've sent an invite to four people. Um, we'll see who turns up in the next five minutes. So if no one turns up, no one turns up. But in the meantime, before people no, turn up, sir. if they turn up and join us, it's Darren Potts from the Potts cast. Darren, how are you doing? Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Cathedral Sport. Very good. Thanks for the phone call. How How's it going? You, How's the session going? How's the session going? The, the Seth's cast? I have no idea what's happening over there, but how's it all going? Yeah, I can't drink. Bob can. Bob, meet Darren from the Potts cast. Darren, uh, meet Bob. Uh, pleased to meet you, Darren. I am currently getting quite pushed. I'm uh, about three quarters of a ball away through Prosecco. Uh, I started doing the Baileys, so I'm making up for the fact that Ash can't drink, <laughs> so I'm the one getting steaming instead. Yeah, I can't drink. <laughs> I can't drink. It's so annoying. Like I said at the start of the show, I, I can't drink and that. It's just it's really bad. But, you know, we've, we've given it as good as we've got so far. Um, Darren, I'm going to ask you a question, mate. Um, football in 2021, how do you see it going? I mean, we had a massive argument about VAR just um, about 20 minutes, half hour ago. Um, you'll be able to listen to that when you listen back to this. But what was it, have you got any predictions, any wild predictions for 2021, mate? Per, Anything off the top of your head? Probably not. I think that the Premier League will continue to be rich and be merry and continue as is while the rest of football suffers, you know, on, a, on a maybe of a lesser prediction. of That's maybe not a prediction. Maybe just that's my feeling. Um, but in terms of predictions... I am predicting that Arsenal will avoid the drop, just about, um, is my major prediction for 2021. What's your, uh, what's been your favourite football moment of the year and your worst football football moment moment of 2020? The year would probably have to have been the restarting of the Irish League so I could sit and watch Crusaders. (laughs) And the worst moment was when COVID called it off in March. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally agree. Bobby, I bet you'll, you'll be in agreement with that. Your worst part of 2020? Oh, definitely getting called off. Oh, I like the steel winning as well. Uh, yes, it was It was definitely the worst part was the, the league's getting called off, uh, especially when we had a chance at promotion. Uh, but I will agree with, with Darren there. I've been delighted that the, the Irish leagues have been on the television. Uh, I've really enjoyed a lot of the games over the last little while. Um, I was fortunate just before COVID went wrong to get to our Balamina Linfield game, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, so it's been good to actually see it on the television. There's a, it's a higher standard of football than I think a lot of people think. What do you, what do you think? So, yeah, sorry, it's been good. So I just... Sorry, just a nip in there, guys. Neil Rooney from the Edinburgh City oh, podcast. Well, Welcome you. to the Christmas yeah. special, pal. How are you? Very sober compared to what I was expecting. 
<laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Bob isn't. Uh, Neil, Neil, meet, Neil, meet Darren from the Potscast. Darren, meet Neil, and Bob and Neil, you know each other anyway. So, sorry, no, Darren, nice what were you going to say, mate, about, uh, uh, in response to Bob? Ask Bob from what he's seen in terms of the Irish League. What does he think it is, maybe comparatively, to what he sees in Scotland? Where do you think the Irish League is in, in terms of its ability and standard? Um, it, it's hard to tell at times because, obviously, there's a mix of part-time teams and full-time teams in the top league. Um. I think the, the centre-half that plays for Crusaders, Aidan Wilson, he played for Inver City last year in the League 2. Um, and he looked pretty good. Yeah, was three, it, well, three quarters, sort of, almost full-time. Not everyone's full-time. Some guys didn't want to give up their, their day job. So as full-time as full-time could be, considering people didn't want to give up their day job. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, think, I think there's a lot of good footballers there. Um Again, maybe it's just to try to get that standard up. If everybody was more full-time, the standard would be raised, I guess. I suppose we're maybe looking championship level, maybe maybe something like that. I don't think, like Linfield, perhaps, yeah. with the resources, would be able to cope lower premiership, perhaps. Um, I think maybe the teams down the bottom of the Irish, the, kind of the premiership, championship league one, maybe, I don't know. It's kind of hard to yeah. tell sometimes. I don't necessarily see teams higher up. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is some good players. I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, Big Owen Bradley at Coleraine. Um, it just there's something about the way he plays football that I really enjoy. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just one of those things. Uh, well, I think that you perform pretty well at an international level. You're performing pretty well, I suppose, for Europe. You're performing pretty well, better than some of the Scottish teams have in recent years. So, I mean, the standards are certainly a lot better than I ever anticipated watching on a regular basis. But, yeah. uh, I would say that's a massive positive. I would I would really hope that more people would watch it, especially now that it's free on the BBC most weeks. Um, and yeah, some really, absolutely. really enjoyable games of football. Neil, welcome to the show, mate. Um, I, I'm going to ask you the same question as I asked Darren. Football, same three questions. Football in 2021, any crazy predictions <sighs> oh, for next God, year? That is, that is a tough question. Firstly. Uh, any crazy? Mm, uh, I don't. Uh, probably the most crazy thing will be is uh, I think Tottenham will be very, very close to winning English Premier League. I don't know if that's crazy. That's maybe just relatively sensible. Just with everything going on and uh, Liverpool can't keep losing players um, and sustaining that performance. I mean, seven 0 at the weekend's excellent, isn't it? So who am I to say? But. Um, if they get, I think if they get a, a, a big injury to one of the big, the big hit, really big hitters that in their attack, um, you could see them slide away. So that would probably be my, my only one. Maybe I'll be outside better on Tottenham in the league. <laughs> no, I don't. Want, I don't want smug Klopp winning the league anyway. Again, so uh, we've had that. We've had that. Um, we've had that argument earlier on in the show. When you listen back to it, you hear. Favorite moment of 2020 um, and worst moment of 2020 football wise, Neil. He's been pretty rubbish, fallen hearts in the city. We missed out in playoffs, obviously, but probably the worst one was uh, <laughs> just when Steindl comes in, you know, you beat Rangers, you beat Hibs, you think, oh, wait a minute, here we go. And then we get, we've been beat off Hamilton at home, or we drew 2 2 at Hamilton at home, and you're just like, 
you're two 0 down, going that trap door's wide open, and it's got welcome to the championship, lads, written underneath it. You know, with the door open. Um, but probably what's turned it right round was was beating Hibs in extra time at Hamden. Uh, although we got beat yesterday on penalties of Celtic, but with the millions of pounds they spend every year, then for, um, for me being beating Hibs at Hamden, um, being a championship team, eh, and beating one of the, the Premier League powerhouses, it's always nice. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, the, the, I don't know if you, Darren and Bob, if you watched uh, the Scottish Cup final yesterday, I, I think they they mentioned quadruple treble 148 times, the commentators did, or something like that. The commentary was the most biased, one-sided commentary I've ever heard in football <laughs> in history, and that's coming from an England fan. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's coming from an Englishman who's watched us in World Cups and in Euros. And all the hype surrounding us every single tournament, and even I'm saying it, right? <laughs> that was the worst commentary I've ever heard in my entire life, and they should be ashamed of themselves, and I hope they get fuck all for Christmas. I could I'll put that more elegantly myself. Ah, there you go. Seeing a couple of clips. Did you watch it, Darren? Um, obviously, watch one the Scottish Cup final yesterday. With, uh, obviously, Michael Smith and stuff there, but. Sadly, it wasn't meant to be, albeit I thought the, with a bit of icing anyway, the sort of 20 minutes icing, I thought they were excellent. Um, the commentary I listened to for about five minutes, then I watched it on mute before I turned it off. Um, but I, same thing as you, like history makers, all this sort of stuff. It's like, come on, you know, you can't, you're, you're there to be unbiased and call the match, not, you know, promote an agenda. But that's that's just my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, um, McLeod's nearly self-combusted every time. He, he wanted, he, he, you could tell he wanted Celtic to score every time they got the ball. But, Bob, did you watch it? Did you watch it, Bob? Uh, I did. I put the commentators on mute very quickly. I had a, a Zoom meeting, uh, or a, a kind of a Zoom chat with a couple of pals. Uh, instead, who were, uh, one was horrendously pissed and was uh, quite funny, which more than made up for some of the shambles commentary that was going on. Uh, but no, I, I had to turn them off. It was it was horrific. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the BBC commentators anyway. Um, I'd much rather that Rory Hamilton was on my television every time there's a Scottish game. Um, I mean, it was so bad yesterday, even Celtic fans. I saw some Celtic fans on Twitter complaining that they thought they'd hit the remote and ended up on Celtic TV. And you know exactly, <laughs> what, and you know exactly what Celtic fans are generally like on social media. For them to even come out and go, this was actually pretty beyond the pale. We'll tell you exactly just how bad the commentary was yesterday. Yeah, um, um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's all we can that's all we can sound it really is. It was, it was just abysmal, man. I've I've never seen so many complaints about a commentary team in my entire life that bad, guys. If any if anyone that didn't watch it um, watches a repeat of it, with it part in England or Wales or wherever you live in the world, just just watch it and listen to it for the whole 120 minutes plus penalties. Please just listen to it and, and, and tell us what you think. Um, what have uh, you got, guys? What, 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 what you got planned for Christmas, mate? Pretty much staying at home at Christmas and maybe go to the Mrs. Family Christmas Eve um, just around the corner. We're maybe five minutes away, which is lucky. And that's pretty much it for us. Um, nothing, nothing too major. What about yourselves? Well, me. I suppose Neil, Neil and Bob are in the same boat as me. We all have to stay in our houses. 
and not see anybody. So we're all in the well, same uh, uh, we're all in the same boat here. In fairness, for me, that's just par for the course for Christmas because I hate it. Bar humbug. I will sit there, do my usual, put it myself, <laughs> get pissed, and abuse people on top. Yeah. That's, sounds. Uh, <laughs> Sounds sounds good to me, mate. Yeah, I'm gonna maybe crack out the chins, have a wee rave to myself, crack open the glow sticks. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, staying in the Neil, house, what about uh, yourself? Staying, staying in like staying in the house, dad, which is quite good on, on a positive. My mum and dad are at Max Spencer's today to get some uh, to get some stuff, and uh, my mum has one of these discount cards and swiped her card, and the woman went, "I'm gonna have to go to the, the supervisor." Sorry, and so standing there waiting. Supervisor comes along and goes, eh, your X amount of customer today, so you're getting your shopping for free. So, uh, which is always a lovely Brucey bonus at this time of year. So, I mean, you say to my mum, did you run back and get some extra beer or something like that? But she never so, um, <laughs> That was good though, she got some food for free. Eh? So, so yeah, we'll, we'll be coming <laughs> in as well, mate. Uh, I, I, I not just any food, M&S food, folks. Well, I was just going to ask there, Rooney. Obviously, like shopping at Marks and Spencer's, <laughs> just exactly how big is Uncle Benny's pension? My dick money, we'll, we'll move on from that conversation. I know. I never used to. When I was, when they were working, they never shopped at Marks and Spencer's. Wait until, uh, wait until they retire and then they'll keep taking money from me. So, yeah. Hopefully that changes soon. <laughs> Neil. Our listeners don't know much about you, Neil. They've, they've, uh, we, I've had Darren on already. I've had, a, I've had, a, I've had a show with him on, uh, on here about his love for Crusaders. Just quickly tell our listeners, um, just uh, quickly about a bit about yourself and uh, what, what your po- what your podcast oh, with Bob is all about uh, as well. So- um, just so you can direct traffic to you. <laughs> since, since it's Christmas, um, I'll be nice. Heart season ticket holder. Have been since I was uh, started high school. Eleven year old. Uh, my dad stopped working at weekends, so we started to go to football then. Um, and I've, I've had one ever since. And then what we'd done, my dad was involved, or used to go and watch a team called Liberty Copley. Uh, and probably when I was about seven-year-old, six, seven-year-old, um, they folded and they joined Edinburgh City. They were another team. I kept the other team evades me. But um, they went, all the players and stuff like that went to Edinburgh City. Um and ever since then, I've watched Edinburgh City as well when I'm not watching Hearts. So um, my my love for the two is there. Um, unfortunately, through my my obviously my excellent choices I've made in life that I follow Newcastle as an English team as well. So um, very much of a turbulent sporting background. Um, but Bob and I, Bob suggested we do a, a podcast about Edinburgh City, um, which is uh, normally really good we're not we're quite uh, level headed on it you know we've not really I think the words from the club are it's, it would be good to get a no holds barred um, response about what's going on in the world I feel that no holds barred um, leash might be let go in the next certain performances so. but that'll be me rather than um, Mr Celebrity that you have on your show um, so um so yeah, <laughs> work in a bank, rock and roll, Monday to Friday, play a lot of golf, play a lot of long balls, although we'll not be doing much of that because of the, the COVID, so the golf is, um, has been keeping me sane 
when you're working Monday to Friday and then at least I can get out of the weekend and, and have a hack. So obviously with the restriction rules and things like that coming in at the weekend, that's my that's my worry that once it goes back into tier four where we say you're only allowed two households or, or three households again on the golf course or something like that. So but we'll worry about that when it happens. So guys, you can find the Edinburgh City podcast on the Citizen Supporters Club. Um, on Twitter, so if you look out for look out for there, I think you guys do it, but one like once a month. So look out; it is good. It's, it's a really good listen. If you're into your lower league football, um, just give it give it a listen, please. Um, guys, a a crazy prediction each, right? I'm going to start with I'm going to start with Bob, then Darren, then Neil, right? And then I'll, <laughs> I'll do my own. So it gives me longer to think than you guys, yeah, right? So I'm going to put so I'm going to, I'm going to put Bob on the spot first, right? Fuck him. Um, <laughs> Bob, a crazy prediction for 2021 in football, and it could be absolutely anything. It could be as bonkers as you want it to be. I was going to say a crazy prediction, the fact that I'll not wake up a sore head tomorrow, but no. Um, uh, a crazy bonkers prediction. I, if you want to go for a proper crazy bonkers prediction, that I think you'll be absolutely massively wrong. But here's your bonkers prediction. Is it breaking will finish bottom... Of League Two, but they won't get relegated. Three round mm. one. Um, okay. Darren? Well, will stack Stephen Robinson before the end of the season. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know Hello. if it's crazy or Neil. Maybe, maybe because I'm relatively sober today after having too much yesterday. Um, I'm going to go for Hibs to split the old firm and get the Champions League qualifiers. Hand your supporters that, card in no, at the door. Celtic winning yesterday, that's kept you winning <laughs> the job till the end of the season. So they'll they'll implode between now and the end of the year and it'll be funny to see. And if that means Hibs win a second, then so be it. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to go for it. Fuck it. Arsenal <laughs> relegated for the first time in their history. There we go. I'm, I'm sure we would all love to see that, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the Arsenal fans are going to be like writing into this page now and all sorts going mental at me. Um, but no, it's just, just for the fact of Arsenal fan TV as well. It's just a, just a joke, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, Bob, is there anything you want to add um, to this special or special at all special. before oh. I to the show uh, I actually wanted to ask Darren how he thinks uh, Northern Ireland will do post Michael O'Neill um, obviously I'm over in Northern Ireland quite a lot well pre-Covid um, one of my best friends stays over there so I've kind of I've become more accustomed to looking out for results and seeing how they're doing and him telling me how things are going uh, how, I how think do you think the international team are going to do post O'Neill I think we might be okay, but I think there's definitely a bit of a changing of the guard right now. A lot of our major, major top players are old. You know, Steve Davis is 35. The last time I looked, he might even be 36 by now. Johnny Evans is, what, 32, 33, something along those lines. He might even be older than that. Um, I genuinely think that's why Barclough got the job is because of the under-21s experience. And I feel like this next campaign... I expect us to fight for third, to be honest. And if we get third, I'd be, be, you know what, cool. If we get fourth, 
whatever. I think this next campaign will be very, very tough. And I envisage a lot of growing pains. Um, I think Michael O'Neill took Northern Ireland as far as he probably could. And I think sometimes some of the results, especially getting to the playoffs and stuff, and people kind of forget there that we kind of get into those playoffs through sort of like a little back sneaky door. Um, We've lost nearly every European League game. I just... I don't know, I think just a lot of growing pains and I think it'll be at least another campaign or two before you even see really what Northern Ireland will be about. I think there's a lot of young players in and around the squad that need to be blooded and bedded in and the issue for a lot of, for me anyway, is a lot of our starting players don't start at club level. Um, Our goalkeeper, Billy Peacock Farrell, has maybe played twice for Burnley in the last 12 months and both of those were in either one League Cup game that they got knocked out of and one FA Cup game they lost so you know that, that's a major issue for us now again another one you know isn't really playing for Aberdeen right now you know for me that's a major thing and I, I, I just envisage a lot of growing pains personally Neil <laughs> No, he's right. As we spoke, as we spoke about before, um, when Darren came on, it's uh, everything. Everyone goes for a transition. Football works in cycles, um, so I'm sure Northern Ireland will be back at the top table soon, hopefully soon. So, Neil, what was I going to ask you? Again? I completely it's gone out of my head now. I was going to ask you a question, Neil. <laughs> it's I completely forgot what I was going to ask. Jesus Christ, that's unlike me. Um, how far do you think this current crop of Hearts players can go? Uh, I think they'll win the championship. I think they've they've, they've seen them the last few weeks after losing a couple of games. It's probably given them a shake. Um, but I think that's probably it. Um, taking yesterday aside. I think there's probably guys in that squad that are coming near the end of their tenure. This needs to be refreshed. I mean, the boy Stephen Kingsley, although he obviously can't take penalties after yesterday, um, you know, he's been a cracking acquisition. It looked like we're going to try and keep him and Michael Smith, which is excellent. I said on a live stream yesterday that um, we should be building a statue of Michael Smith. If we had 11 players of him, we wouldn't have been relegated last year. We'd have been nowhere near the bottom of the league. So just with his effort and his endeavour, but Halliday's not long term. Um, for me, Walker doesn't do enough at times. He goes missing a lot. I like Boyce. I like Ginelli. But you know, it could it could be a real rebranding. I think there's a lot wrong with it's still got an element of Craig Levine in that squad, and they have to get rid of it. And I'm not a fan of Halkett. I don't think he was he's really good enough. Um, he's a steady enough player, but I don't think he's good enough for us. Although I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Port of Pirlo, Andy Irvin. Hopefully they can get him tied down on a contract and, and build the team around him. Um, win the championship and then take it from there. I mean, if, if, don't get me wrong, I think they would be battling near the top of the, the league this year. But I think there's a lot of reinvestment needed. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um I see that team to me would probably get mid table in the Prem. But you know, we'll see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. Anybody, anything you want to add, Bob, to this before I close up? 
Um, Tonight's proceedings. How much prosecco have you had now? What are you that's, on? That's the bottle, pretty much finished. I've still got a wee bit left. Gee. Wow. Um, one, hour, one hour, 15 minutes. That's all right. That's, that's, as, as, as Rooney will tell you, as being my drinking that's partner, often, that's <laughs> probably quite deserved. Um, uh, is there anything, if you want to see my television appearance, uh, that we've kind of joked about a little bit during the game, uh, during the game, during the podcast, even, not for your custom. Um, if you want to see it, it is uh, on BBC iPlayer, a view from Terrace, about 38 minutes in. If not, it's on the BBC Scotland socials. Uh, I think Ashley tweeted it on <clears throat> the Cathedral Twitter and it's on mine as well, just to kind of give you an idea of how I was a Hearts supporter and then became an Ember City supporter and the reasons behind that. Um, <laughs> I was delighted I was invited on. Um, obviously, a few football with the article did well to get us there and that's how we got on. Um, apart from that, I would hope everybody has a lovely Christmas. I hope you have a lovely festive period. Uh, we'll be back next year at some point. Uh, I think me and Rooney are going to put in our Ember City pod some point in between Christmas and New Year where he can have his uh, pot shots that whoever he fancies. Uh, yeah, Al- Al- Alex, Alex Harris. Alex Harris. I'm saying... I'm listening. I'm saying nothing. I would rather keep the peace. I would rather praise players than get on at them because we're such a small fan base. And the fact that I sometimes go to games now it means that there's only one person that's in the firing line, which is me. I cannot be asked. Listening to all them complaining. Why are you an idiot? Why did you do this? It wasn't me. Don't care. You're an idiot. It's like when we had a, a small complaint about the, the commentator for the live stream. I got it in the neck, even though it was Rooney who complained about him. So, so I would, I would, I would just rather we kind of uh, keep it. Kind of nice, but if him and our other um, friend Ali want to have a go at any players over Christmas, season, season to be jolly, if that makes them jolly, then fair enough. But anyway, I hope all you guys have a lovely Christmas. I hope all our listeners have a lovely Christmas as best you can, considering it's COVID and it's absolutely horrible. But we try and make the best of it as we can. Um, lovely New Year as best we can. Uh, and we'll see you all at some point next year, probably. Yeah, cheers, Bob. Say that I want to say thank you to everyone that has contributed, um, you know, to to our to our show. All the guests that have come on, uh, loved having you all on. Um, the Twitter accounts that the Twitter accounts that retweet us and engage with us, you know, people like yourself, Darren, you, you know, at the Potscast, VAR, VAR at the bar, Chris Kelly as well. Um, all the Southend fans, you know, Croydon Football Club who do us a, do us a great turn, Hatbridge Harry as well from Tooting and Mitchum and his son and his son Ant. And the lads at Toot in the Mitchum who do us a great turn with retweets and stuff like that as well. Muscle Braff Lake, especially for the, you know, as well with their sponsorship of us and, the, you know, really selfless exercises, you know, so especially with the podcast world, it's a really saturated market and really competitive market. And for other podcasts to be liking our stuff and retweeting and saying, give these guys a listen. And so it means the world. And we, and we, and we reciprocate that as well. Um, so thank you to everyone that has engaged with us and, and continues to do so. Uh, can um, I the block- say one thing very quickly before we go? Yeah, I suppose you got to. <laughs> a massive thanks to yourself, Ash. Uh, without you, the podcast would not be going on. Uh, you do all the donkey work. You get all the guests. You do absolutely everything for this podcast. I generally just come on and talk shite. Um, so massive props to you. You're the guy behind this. You've been hugely brilliant in what you've done. And let's make it a good 2021. Yeah, definitely. I can tell you're pissed as well, mate. <laughs> what is uh, the same thing about you? 
Yeah. <laughs> Guys, uh, yeah, you, Darren and Neil, if you listen to earlier in the show when we were at each other's necks about VAR, yeah, right. Um, now, now he's praising me. <laughs> now, nah, cheers, Bob. Really appreciate it, mate. You've been great as well, too, as a co-host, mate. Honestly, can ask for a better one. Um, guys, we're on all the platforms, Anchor, Spotify, Spotify, sorry, Google and Apple Podcasts. So please give us a listen. Um, plenty of shows to catch up on. And there'll be this to listen to as well. Soon, we've got Dial Square coming on. We've also got undefeated flyweight boxer Joseph Mafosa coming on the show. That'll be in mid to late January. And then we've got a fan guest who I went to school with, Mark Guyford. He's a Crystal Palace fan. And he also, his family had a historical ties with Croydon Football Club as well. He'll be coming on. And then after that, we don't know. We're just going to get a whole fresh batch of guests in. Probably, probably limit shows as well to one or two a month and, and push the blog site a bit more. I'm also going to be writing a book in the new year. I'm not going to tell you what it's about yet. A couple of people know what it's about, but I'm, uh, I'm going to be plugging away at that for a while. All right. Darren, thank you very much for appearing no, on the Christmas show, mate. Guys, I really appreciate you coming on. Honestly, Merry really Christmas. It, Ash. Always a pleasure. A lot of fun. Yeah, always a pleasure, mate. Neil, thank you for making an appearance as well, no mate. Problem. Really appreciate it. You, Merry Christmas else. to you and your family, bud. All the best. Cheers, Neil. Merry Christmas, every- Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a good one. Stay safe. Have a good New Year. And keep listening to us because things are going to get bigger and better. Cheers, guys.